This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everyone. This is Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Today on the show, we are going to talk about the show Black Mirror and Series 2, as they call it in the Brit land. We call them seasons. They call them series. So mm-hmm. Series 2, uh, which is Season 2 for us, which includes four things in my mind, which is three episodes that aired as Season 3 entitled Be Right Back, White Bear, and the Waldo Moment. And then I'm also, we are also including White Christmas, which was a Christmas special that came out about, I guess, about a year and a half or two years later that had John Hamm in it that was pretty famous and kind of got the series reignited. Mm-hmm. Like everybody got excited about it again. Yeah. Um, and so, just so you guys know, because this, this particular series is, you know, six years old, we were, we are going towards spoilers. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, I don't know that this will ruin it necessarily, especially if you're a Black Mirror fan, um, but it might inspire you actually to go back and rewatch it or maybe we'll say something that will inspire you on an episode that you didn't really like or what have you. So yeah, we're making our way. Back in April, we did an episode on series one or season one mm-hmm. of it. And so now we're just, we're going to make our way all the way through it over the next couple years. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe quicker. Anyway, um, so I guess let's talk about the first one, Be Right Back, which is the first episode of series two. And it's written by Charlie Brooker, which all of these episodes are. Um, back in February 2013 is when it came out. Uh, Be right back. The basic premise is Ash lives with his girlfriend, Martha, spending a lot of time on social media until one day he dies in a traffic accident. A few days later, Martha finds out that she's pregnant and decides to use a new technology that is able to simulate Ash's voice and personality on the phone based on his social media profile and other audiovisual material. Basically, she can... um, he does pretty good at right out of the gate, but she can like enter all of his material, all of his mm-hmm. social media stuff. And then the, you know, it creates a online, like that movie, her with yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. It's like a, she can call him, yeah, text him. And then he actually gets delivered to the house. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's weird. She has to put him in the bathtub and then he like comes to life when she puts him in the water. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what did you think in general? First of all, I guess about just the of episode. this episode. Yeah. Um, like general thoughts, how it hit you. You know, I, I think it's, it's in the same group of like, when we talk about pet cemetery and, mm-hmm. and just, um, one, it, it makes us think about mortality Yes, and how, um, how often we, we really try to fight that and play God. Mm-hmm. Um, how we wish for infinite time. I want to say something else about that, but I'll wait. Um, and also how we're in this period of technology where we have everything at our disposal, 
but then recognizing how technology and robots are never, ever, 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 ever going to replace the real thing as hard as we try. Um, and in fact, could actually do more harm. Now, when we look back at classic universal horror, we see similar themes of man playing God. You know, in, in the universal version of Frankenstein, that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, the invisible man is the same thing. And we, we should have learned back in the <laughs> early 1900s that it's a no. disaster. Um, we don't do that. So my overall <laughs> feeling is that it's just, you know, as Buddha as Buddhists will say, attachment is the root of all suffering. And I think that her character really fights losing him and so desperately needs to have an essence of him, but it's just his body um, with, with certain, you know, replays of things that he would say, but the, the actual soul of the person um, and who he was is gone and, and forcing her to, um, to a certain extent mm-hmm. uh, forces her to move on. Um, and I think just from a ep- episode point of view, this is the only episode I was looking this up. One of the only episodes black mirror has ever done. If not the only episode where the person starts off, not really knowing how to use technology mm. um, versus in other episodes, technology is sort of what gives the person the advantage. So she gets sort of pulled into the world of that. She's like, what is this? How do I can do what? Right. And then, so those are some thoughts I have. Yeah, that's an interesting twist. I personally, of these four, I would say it's my number two of the four as far as like li- just liking it. Yeah, and I and I imagine that for me personally is because I like any study on grief. Yeah, so it that's was a just, good episode. That's just like one of the things that I really enjoy. It might be one of the reasons why I've oh, I'm always leaning towards horror movies with ghosts and mm-hmm. hauntings is because I I do really enjoy anything. Um, my psyche is sort of I think always working on grief or what's beyond or all of that. So it's always an interesting thing. So that was part of it. Um, it was hard to watch, I think, because uh, it, there was the sadness for me around like sure. her having to really realize, although she does this, you know, she does this thing. Yeah. So there's part of it that, so if I, if I just take the premise or the idea out of the episode and say like, could this be a useful tool in our world to help with grief, address grief, work with grief? As a person, I was, I'm thinking if I have support and I'm relatively well adjusted and I, there are things that I want to say to that person. I think the first thing she says is I'm pregnant because she never got she to never tell told him. Them. Mm-hmm. So I could see how psychologically speaking, it could, it's, it's the same exercises that we do in a, in a yeah. manual world. Having of, somebody write a letter, write yeah. them a letter. Mm-hmm. What would you, you know, even just in our conversations, sometimes we'll say like, well, you know, what is it that you wanted to say to them that you didn't get to say? And we have the client say it to us just to express that and, and, and get that out into the world and hear themselves talk about it. And it's part of the grief process. So as a therapist, I'm thinking, well, this could be, a very useful tool as something that, and some people would maybe need to be monitored on it more than others, but obviously we don't control people. So people would use it and distort it however they want, as is shown in this. But I was thinking what a useful thing to be able to have that transition phase Mm -hmm. of 
you've lost someone, you cognit- assuming you are a person that cognitively knows that that person is gone and that you're using this as a tool to um, have imagined what I would call imaginal psychological conversations with someone, which is absolutely FYI, a part of psychology that I've studied is like imaginal dialogues mm-hmm. and having that would be super useful. Um, in the end, what we come to know is that she doesn't really have any closure or do the, the part of the grief process that we know that would help. Nope. She, she does not give him up. Which is what I would anticipate. Um, a lot of clients doing. <laughs> what I would say 75% of people would That's do. why I said it would need monitoring, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, because it could become incredibly addicting. Yeah, I think there people would need a lot of support around, mm-hmm. like, if I was going to truly say, like, okay, I mean, this is obviously a hypothetical, like, what if this was a real thing? And for me, it, I was a little torn because I was like, wow, this could be a super useful tool, actually. Mm-hmm. But like all tools, people will steal it, distort it, all of that. Now, I can't base my my critique on that, the the 25% that'll do that or what have you, but like as a therapeutic tool, I was mm-hmm. like, I could lead through somebody through this. Sure. I could also help them and support them to let go of it, say goodbye, like as a closure technique. Like, I was like, hmm. I, I mean, she doesn't do that, of course, but. <laughs> no, but I, I, I just think about some of my own life mm-hmm. and how I think it, where it would be really useful and interesting would be if you lost somebody at a very young age and you were able to talk to them as your adult self Yep, and be able to, I think that would be unbelievable. Um, well, and the interface would grow them up, right? Like it the would have all would the programming. Them, yep. The interface would grow them up and being able, you know, could there be different stages of your life that you could go back and talk to that person again, it would have to be monitored. I mean, I, there's just, it. there's yeah. so many ways that it could be really helpful and other ways that it could be really damaging. Yeah, that was my takeaway from mm-hmm. this episode, actually. I guess I was, I, I guess I could say I was a little bit surprised that they ended it the way they did. Yeah. I was a little bit surprised that they didn't, um, you know, she puts the Android in the attic. And so like not fully grieving, him she ends up i mean she tries a couple of times to get him to like off himself or what have you <laughs> but and that's where i think like the android mm-hmm. if you were to leave the android out and it only be the calling mm-hmm. option sure it would be an easier way to you know titrate somebody off but with the physical mm-hmm. how do you do that yeah. you know and so that's that's what messed her up was it was keeping the android Agreed. And so the daughter, what, gets to see her every, see yeah. him once a year on her birthday. Yeah, and then the daughter visits. It's just like, oh, it's boy. <laughs> that kid's, yeah. that well. kid's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Screw I up see my life. daddy who's a robot once a year on his on my birthday. Where yeah. does he live? In the attic. Uh, cool. So many problems right there. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, but she's not. Don't tell anyone at school. She's not going to be the only one. <laughs> That's true. Let's put it that way. It's true. It would be, it would totally be part of the culture by that point. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, the thing I really always have liked about Black Mirror and it's really great what going back and watching these, these first couple of series is that um, 
you know, they're unafraid to alienate audiences by like being too dark or too sadistic or too weird or too out of the box or fucking the ending, in my opinion, mm-hmm. <laughs> on this one. Mm-hmm. But um, they're just not afraid to do that. There's a there's a, a brazenness to it. And I, I just like that. Uh, the second episode of that season is White Bear, which is about crime and punishment, basically. it It's... I think it's loaded with so much. And this was actually my favorite episode out of the four. Okay. Um, well, I'll say a couple things. First of all, um, we've made torment of women entertainment for years. So it doesn't surprise me that the lead in this episode is a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's a lot of like um, biblical you know, references, the eye for an eye. Mm -hmm. The white bear is a symbol for pain, torment, revenge, and sadistic spectacle. So, you know, I think the, to talk about this episode a little bit, this woman wakes up in her house and um, she doesn't really know who she is or where she is. And she goes down into the living room. There's a picture of her and this little girl on their on the mantle and there's a pair of shoes there and she puts her sweatshirt on and she starts to go outside to start to figure out what's going on. And before she knows it, all these people are like following her around with cell phones and taking pictures and no one's talking directly to her. And then she runs into a couple people who um, are still human. They haven't been turned into whatever um, clearly it's almost like these guys with the, the cell phones are like zombies, right? That's how they appear to her anyway. And they're just chasing her and taking all this footage and the girl's like, just follow me, get in the car if you want to live, and and um, don't look at their phones or you'll get pulled into that. So there's all this crazy stuff going on. Um, but it's it's a very primitive and biblical episode. So I think the takeaway, we can get more into the, the content of it in a second. The takeaway theme for me was um, you're, you're a worse sinner than I am. Mm-hmm. I am clean, and therefore I get, off on watching you suffer because it it, it makes what I do every day appear um, less significant so much that I can actually watch you get tormented as a form of entertainment. Um, And we've seen this throughout history, Mm -hmm. right? People who crane their neck anytime someone is, you know, getting the death sentence or getting... So do you want to talk a little bit about what this is or what I was this just is about. gonna I was just gonna say that all of that is spawned in this episode by a signal that is broadcast over a television set and so some people are not the people that are affected by the signal are the people that are running around videotaping with their phones all the time they're like an like they as if they've been possessed to to do that and then there are people like um the woman who's the main character who's chased captured hunted videotaped for this game show the people that aren't going around with their phones are actually the people that were not susceptible to the signal and so now now they are being hunted this is like the premise. Yeah, now they're they, being hunted. They're players in the in the sh- the show that she just doesn't know. Right. They're yeah. being hunted and she wakes up and doesn't know, but then she meets people along the way that do know what's going on. Um, that's part of what I was going to say. Part of what is interesting about this episode for me is that for the first half of it, like a lot of good Black Mirror episodes, it's like a mind fuck, right? So for the first half of this episode, we're rooting for her. Mm-hmm. We're rooting for Victoria to get away 
from all these crazy people that are possessed by this signal and videotaping and all of that, like, like she's a reality star, which Mm -hmm. then we find out she is like, she's a prisoner, but yeah, in this Mm -hmm. episode, she's the star of this show that they're putting on and she's not complicit with that or consensual, but that's what's happening. And then halfway through, once we, once the audience is led into what's going on, um, we figure we find out that she's actually hurt a child or it's it's insinuated we don't know what she did when or how it was done but it's insinuated that she hurt a child which of course to a lot of people to most people that's like one of the worst crimes you can do is to hurt a child in some way because we innocence and youth and you know developmental age everything it's like it's terrible to hurt a child and so then then as audience members at least this is the way the show was trying to have you think is it's like you've been rooting for her and now you find out she's a criminal and so does that mix up your feelings about it like it you know well, you were rooting for her and then that the mind the messing with your mind part is and oh now do we vilify her and then i think the episode is trying to have the audience have that internal conflict around that um whether you do or not obviously it is kind yeah. of kind of whether the the show succeeds or not in a way because then it's like oh wait now and then you, i i believe the writer is trying to have you have that conflict of you know, when they're stoning her or what have you, well, she did this really bad thing and the crime and punishment idea. And they develop an amusement park. Yeah. Right. Where these, these people can come every day and be part of this audience where they get, cho- they're, they're chosen to be the ones who get to play the, in their mind, the game that day and be the ones who are running around with the cell phones. What we find out is this is an amusement park because her punishment is she has to, at the end of each day, she gets shocked and forgets that she lived it. So she wakes up the next day and, and, and at the, you know, when I first watched this episode, I'm like, God, why is she so flipping annoying? (laughs) And then I realized it's because as more time goes on, she then starts to realize she's done this before. And so her hell is spent uh, her her punishment, her prison sentence is reliving this day over and over to the point that people actually get to participate in their own amusement as being like, oh, I want to be the phone person today torturing her. I want to be part of this show. And it's really scary because clearly anybody who's a child predator or, or, I mean, yes, they should go to prison. But I think it's a, I think it's a big, bold statement on how we sentence and and the way that we even um you know the way that we have made the torment of women and 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 the entertainment of that uh, a spectacle for years whether it was salem witch trials whether it's pornography um i think it was incredibly deliberate that they used a woman mm-hmm. probably and so, a woman of color as and well. a woman of color yeah so it's and like all of these episodes, it's like this really interesting metaphor for what we could all like. There's a part of this. It's like, are we? I, I think I could ask this of every single episode I've watched of Black Mirror. Is like, are we doing this? Yes, because it's a metaphor uh, yeah. for for all things that are happening in the culture. So it's like, yes, we are. And I think it's an it's a, it's a Groundhog Day version. You know, if yep. you're gonna do, if you're gonna look at all the movies that do sort of a Groundhog Day 
Um, think, I also think that it's like it's what we see and present to people and and how those facts skew perception. So it's like what what those people are seeing of her or hearing about what she That's has right. done and what we what we say or show people like a, obviously technology, social media, it's always a comment on that. And what we show people skews the perception of it. So I think that just goes back to this, just this one piece. I'm tr just trying to amplify a little bit about this episode is that what we see in the first half of it, which is typical of the episodes is, is one thing and how we, how, how it skews and how we perceive what's going on. Mm -hmm. And part of that is her annoying, like, what's going on? And mm -hmm. you're just like, shut up. I, I know. You're just like, <laughs> shut up. And then the last half of it, how that skews and shifts your perspective about what's going on, whether that's toward the crowd, toward yeah. her, whatever you're. And you, we also don't really know anything about the crime and, and whether she was culpable. Like, no, we don't. They don't give us a t any. Which, which is also speaks volumes to the amount of people that go to you know are wrongfully accused and like we don't really know if she did what she did it's not explicit no, so and they definitely did that mindfully i mean yep. that's a really important part of this is that it's very evasive what they they give you just enough just like any of these true crime things we talk about any of these people that we don't really know that we talk about even if they're extremely famous serial killers we don't know them we don't talk to them we don't know what was in their head really like it's 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 that we just don't know. Like she could have been in, I mean, they do depict that it was mostly the crime was mostly the guy that she right. was with, but so we just don't know. And so then you've got like what you were saying is that we've got a woman of color in a situation where she is being tormented and tortured every day um, for something that we don't actually know that she did or was even complicit. She, she was associated. She to, was there, and yeah. you know, yeah, which it's, it's, happens every day. It's so loaded, it's so loaded. And it I can't remember if the guy in the picture was white or not, but I believe he was. Yes, and and so, but she's the target. I believe he was. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I think it was incredibly mindful, and it goes back to what I was saying a minute ago: is they are just unafraid to alienate audiences mm -hmm. and make it like as dark and as sadistic and as. Thank you, Europe. Yes. We Thank you for not we appreciate you. feeling like you need to censor yourself. Yeah, we appreciate that quite a bit. At least Kathy and I do. Mm -hmm. um, episode number three, the Waldo moment. <laughs> so this is not a fan favorite episode. It is dumb. So Kathy says very intelligently. Uh, <laughs> it was dumb. I wrote... <laughs> bored that's it that's my I, only note i'm showing though a blank page where she was going to write notes on the bored. moment bored so, overdone sorry go on it's okay no that's it no you go ahead i just from I'm, your empty page of notes <laughs> i just thought it was slow yeah i didn't really know where they were going or or what they were trying to do and i understand that he, you know, he okay, so Waldo is a CGI blue bear from a children's educational TV show who in reality is an uh, anarchic character on a satirical late night topical comedy show. When the channel decides they would like to give Waldo his own pilot, the production company enters him into a political race against one of his victims, conservative Leah Monroe, for a stunt. Once the wheels start turning, there's no stopping. So, you know, Jamie, who controls the bear, is now getting pulled into running for whatever their version of you know, would it be parliament or whatever president is there? 
or political figure. I don't know what the actual thing was. It doesn't matter. Um, so it's, it's this play on, I don't know. It was, it did nothing for me. Cool. Yeah. It's not a fan favorite. I, I did a little, of course, I'll do a little tiny research on like the feedback for each episode, just to see like what people liked or didn't like or what have you. And this one certainly was not interesting. I think one of the reasons probably why, so we did the episode on series one and now obviously we're in the thick of season series two. And what I've noticed about all the episodes so far, and I've seen a couple of the more recent ones too, is it's that usually in the middle, there's these black mirror has a reputation for like the big twist and turn right of every episode there's like some kind of big twist or turn where your perception your thought process your feelings hopefully are like turned on their edge Mm -hmm. and it's this like big metaphor for something that could really happen and it's supposed to be that's supposed to scare you and it's technology based etc that didn't happen in this episode no no and and i don't know if part of it is it's been so politic heavy Mm. That like in our culture right now. Yeah, yeah. That this was, it was like, Oh God, more of the, I don't know. And I just felt like they over-exaggerated the, the liberal side. And then they made the conservative, the typical, like just Dick character that they do. I mean, it was just, I don't know. It was too tropey and just went nowhere. And I was bored. Mm-hmm. The girl played no purpose at all. Like she was supposed to be in the middle of these two guys and supposed to be working for the conservative, but kind of falling in love with the liberal. I don't know. I, I don't know what they were trying to do, but yeah, I barely remember any of that. It just is right. <laughs> and then at the end, the irony is, you know, he, because he gets thrown into this un without, you know, non-consensually, he ends up homeless. He's used basically as a, as a uh, vehicle to win and he ends up getting spit out and thrown out and homeless at the end. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say, uh, I don't know, as I'm hearing you talk and remembering the episode, I'm thinking like, uh, they, I can see where they tried to do twisty turny stuff where, um, you know, he's this vulgar computer animated bear. And in the beginning, it was funny to me, like Mm -hmm. him being an anarchist and like five minutes speaking back. Like you can imagine in our culture, that being kind of funny to kind of, you know, call politicians on the mat from an animated bear. Like I see why the audience thought it was funny. And then for me, unfortunately it just didn't go anywhere. And I think one of the big reasons if I'm going to be like critique, my first critique, of course, that like it didn't do the twist and turn thing. But if I was going to say like, how might've gone better would have been like, I was really surprised I didn't have him win. I, I, that's what I'm so saying. I don't know runs, what it is that they were. So they they have him kind of like abort the mission in the middle of a speech, like I'm out of here, I'm done, I'm quitting, and be this like moralistic guy who doesn't want to be the vulgar computer animated bear anymore, and isn't going to run and distort the political system. But I'm like, wouldn't it be more Black Mirror, more interesting if they had him win, and then you have a, a, a you know a blue bear as your Labor Party representative or whatever whatever it was like that would that would have been like oh now oh oh and that's an interesting metaphor and analogy um uh electing a, com- a computer generated that's what i thought they were going to do me be- too because we've we've become so ai you know and and like 
who is really behind and then there's all the conspiracies of who's really behind the politic and who's you know well and isn't it wouldn't it have been a fun narrative for now i mean i realize right. this was 2013 but now if i was watching that i was like oh it came true <laughs> in some ways for sure Crime so uh didn't like it yep i heard you did you like it no okay no i was just looking at why i didn't like it so i that's why it's because it just didn't follow that drab <laughs> okay we're gonna move on now it's horrible Be- before she cries let's talk or about something. it some more oh my god so let's go to the last one that we watched which was the christmas special that this came out heavy that came out like a year and a half later or so it aired like two years later or whatever at christmas time and it's known as the john ham episode because he's the star in that um so let me just say what it is. So on Christmas Day, Matt and Joe start talking about their past for the first time after five years that they have been stationed together in a remote cabin. So let me just interrupt myself and say this episode has a like a three-part structure, um, which, is, which was the first time in the history of Black Mirror that they did that three-part structure, and they have done it since then but this was the very first one and they did it as a special because it's a little bit off the beaten path for the so far for the structure of the show so anyway matt used to help single men seduce women his clients had optical implants that allowed him to see through their eyes and give them advice in real time using the eye link technology so you're sort of starting out these episodes getting to know John Hamm's character as a guy who is like, if I'm having trouble and this is a real thing in the world, <laughs> if I'm having trouble meeting women and I'm like, I have a difficult time with that. Like socially, then what happens is, is I hire Matt who's John Hamm and I use this eye link technology and then he can see through my eyes and he can tell me in the earbud like what to say or how to seduce the woman. There used to be an old MTV show where the guys would sit in the van. There you go. Yeah. Uh, that's why I say like this happens. We don't have this like eye link technology, no. which is made up. But I mean, we could. <laughs> um, his main profession, however, was subjugated subjugating artificial copies of clients consciousnesses stored into bean-sized chips called cookies <laughs> into docile personal assistants in charge of running the smart house which i thought was super interesting mm-hmm. that part of it was really interesting like it's a it's a version of yourself running yourself yeah like if i make a, a little kathy and i put it in a little bean-sized thing and i put little oh, kathy in there cute. she would be cute can you imagine her singing Horror Facts She'd with wear Kath? a Halloween shirt. It'd be like... All the time. It'd be like I was singing it on Helium. <laughs> and then little Kathy in the bean-sized thing is in charge of big Kathy's life and turning on the lights and giving her this or that or whatever. So, I don't know. That was the basic premise of the beginning. And then it goes other places. From a, from a like, reality standpoint, that yeah. would be such a mind fuck to have, like, a small version of yourself that is, isn't real thinks they're kind of real. And I'm like, Kathy, I don't want my curtains up right now. <laughs> okay. Kathy, I don't like, let me just do it. Let me just do it. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> that I, just, would be really I feel like that would be just too much. Um, my feelings about this episode, my favorite story was um, not John Hamm's part. 
I forget the other actor who I love, love, love. He's been in so many great Rafe things. Spall? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when you find out that they're using this technology to get him to admit to a murderer, um, yeah. and he comes out of that. So, you know, she... so. There's a as, true crime aspect. As Shannon aspect. is talking about all of this, like the the using technology, the part that the very beginning where it's the two stories with John Hamm, like it's it that story to me has been done before, where people take into technology and they they use it um, in a way that it wasn't meant to be used. Been there, done that. We do that every single flipping day. So to me, I was a little bored. To be honest, I don't. I really don't know why this episode did that well, me personally. But the the part that did captivate me was because he's talking um john ham's talking to the other guy and they're living together i'm assuming that this guy is not part of john ham's you know manipulation come to find out this is all in his his head as well and he's getting close to him so he can tell john ham about um how he believed he had a daughter and his you know wife left him or girlfriend left him whenever he follows her one day to christmas and realizes that the daughter is not his but actually uh, a friend of theirs because the daughter ends up being asian he goes in and end up ends up telling his whole story of how he kills his father-in-law basically and as he's telling john ham this story um john ham like pulls away from the machine and he's like please tell me that's all you need. Is that enough? Is that enough of it? You know, that part was really cool because it was like, I felt for John Hamm also because he had to go in there and really manipulate who this guy thought was a friend. Um, and then they're like, okay, we got it. We got it. We can, we can put him in prison. We got the, and, and man, imagine like, it's like the new detective story. Totally. And so that part of this episode really captivated me. I thought that was really clever. The first two stories, I just feel like they were something Black Mirror's done before. Well, there are things that we sort of know and see in a lot of stuff, like the theme of how we always have to be busy. Like there's this one part where he tortures the the little Kathy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're going to call it the Mm -hmm. little Kathy, even Mm -hmm. though that's not her name. When she's like, give me something to do. And and she starts crying and screaming and he's like, oh, we're not having, you know, no bueno. And he just turns her off for a while and has her be in this isolated white room, much like we do. For like 188 days. Much like we do in old mental hospitals <laughs> it's yeah. a nice little metaphor for that where we just shut someone away and give them nothing to do and expect them to be mentally healthy which she's not and then she basically begs him to do the job which i think is an interesting psychological tactic right like you were talking about how oh i would just want to do it myself and i'd be so annoyed by the little the little person in the thing and it's like that little person is just like beaten into slavery basically yeah. and so yeah. that was part of that and then also how we're always we're always working from a bias you know mm-hmm. i just love that theme in black mirror that we're always working from a bias and what's what perception is and mm-hmm. what what we want reality to be or what we think reality is and all of that so i think it plays with all that stuff and i really like the idea adding on i agree with everything you said about the last part really interesting because of course it's like kind of true crime stuff yeah it's like detective interrogation basically mm-hmm. um taken to the nth degree but i also like that idea of um i thought it was really interesting to see how his punishment or uh 
there was a punishment of like going back into the world at one point and being blocked by everyone. So there's this idea of being blocked by everyone. Like you don't go to a prison or you don't, the punishment again, just like in white bear, like the crime and punishment aspect, the punishment is that you're blocked. And what blocked means is that you're blocked from anyone actually seeing you. So what you are is like a shadow of a person. You're a form, Mm -hmm. but they can't see your face. They can't see anything about you, but they can see that there's a form there and they can't, they hear you like a Charlie Brown's old teacher. (laughs) Exactly. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That was weird. So as a whole, I thought, as always, you know, obviously there's parts we liked, parts we didn't. And Kathy was bored by a few things. As I, don't, she said. I wasn't bored like I was with Waldo. I, I, I watched it. I mean, it was it was intriguing. I just feel like it being that it was known as the most viewed Black Mirror episode ever. And maybe because John Hamm was in it. I think I just wasn't all that enticed. I think that is why it's the most watched one. Yeah. <laughs> it was lots of hype around that. And it was a Christmas special, et cetera. And the three story structure, it was like the first time they had done that. But um, what I meant more was like all over all these four episodes as season two, like there were parts we didn't like parts we did like. Um, but I, you know, as a series, series two was a good, I mean, I, I felt similarly with series one is that there was pieces mm-hmm. I liked pieces I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, I, I think it's a worthwhile watch. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for listening. You're we, welcome. We very much enjoy your patronage. Uh, this is Tara talk. My name is Shannon and I'm Kathy sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. Please check out our Patreon page, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'd love to engage with you as part of our community. Please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, sleep safe.